Nobody believed in Akron this weekend, (laughs) and they lost. People believed in Georgia. They were favored in this game. Do you think that this kind of vibe that's developing of us against the world, no longer believes in us, uh, I find it um, intellectually dishonest, but I don't care, I guess, if it means the team is going to win a bunch of games because of it. The dogs went down to Jacksonville and for the third straight season came away with a victory. Yes, the Gator fans left the stadium early again and coach Dan Mullen was just seen walking around at halftime during the third quarter and after the game looking like a man trying to place blame on anyone but himself. Might I suggest he looked no further than his defensive coordinator, the one and only Todd Grantham. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall and you're listening to episode 205 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our post-game show of Georgia's 24-17 victory over the hated Gators. I'm joined via Skype by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, and we share a few quick thoughts on the game itself, Kirby's post-game comments, and the significant plays that helped the dogs to victory. And stay tuned until the end. We have our poorly named but always entertaining Good, Bad, and Something Else segment, and we welcome the return of our podcast understudies, JT and W, as they will provide a few minutes of commentary about the game as well. Thanks for tuning us in. What a win by the good guys. Here's Will to get us started. All right, gentlemen. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, after uh, the game of uh, the video of Kirby Smart dancing around in the locker room. On one hand, uh, I am the same age as Kirby Smart. I'm two months older than Kirby Smart. And I think some of the moves he made would have thrown out my back. I do not think I'm physically capable of doing that anymore. But uh, uh, we've said before uh, that when Georgia wins and has a big win, he tends to celebrate in the way uh, in a, in a, like a kid. Uh, it was fun to see that this seemed to me a game that uh, the scoreboard perhaps did not accurately reflect how much they were in control of the game. Uh, disaster avoided. Uh, they won the Florida, I mean, the Georgia, Florida matchup in Tallahassee. Well, the one thing all I can think of is uh, I would have been totally fine if Kirby had walked to the podium and yelled, fuck it, haters. Um, <laughs> hey, look, you know, he. I have some thoughts about that, but we'll get into that, yes. I agree with you, Will. You said in the beginning that uh, it seemed like it was never in doubt, and it's not often that you have a seven-point victory that you kind of feel that way. We've we've talked about it before and the history of this podcast of certain games that are close, but they just don't feel that that scary. Uh, one of them was Auburn a couple of years ago where Georgia wins by three or a touchdown. I don't even remember, but it was just kind of like, yeah, we're going to win this game. And I wouldn't say that I felt completely like, yeah, we're going to win this game. But after Florida went on like an 11-play, 40-yard drive to open the game, I think it was something like that. And they converted on a couple third downs, and then LeCount uh, stops them on fourth and one. What you kind of knew was you were like, well, we avoided their first blow that they were trying to to land on us. And then Georgia goes down and converts, I think, on four third downs with four different players. Uh, Cager's first catch was one of them, and then Swift and Harrion converted a third down. Yes, we did not score a touchdown, but you know, pretty much automatic Rodrigo. It's good to see him back kind of splitting the uprights right down the middle. That three points w- was big right there, and it just it helped lead Georgia to not even trailing ever in the game. So my own personal thought is, at least under the Kirby Smart watch, is that Georgia functions better after one loss, because it's been seen in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, at least after that 
South Carolina loss, and that's kind of what Seth had written about a couple weeks back. So uh, I was pretty encouraged about it. So uh, Dick Fromm, oh, sorry, Jake Fromm played, uh, I thought, very well. Uh, you know who else thought he played very well? Uh, Kirby Smart, uh, who made a big deal after the game, saying, I think he uh, I hope fi- uh, he had more faith in, uh, than the exact quote, but it's something along the lines he had. We always had faith in him, unlike uh, the fans. Uh, I think we've talked about this a few times, uh, of kind of the insular nature of what they're doing over there of uh, everybody drink, but Seth Emerson wrote about in his piece about how the Titans coach Todd Hartley and Coley were doing a lot. We're both doing a lot of boy, not a lot of, not a lot of haters in the media right now. And, uh, and they're doing a lot of that stuff, which is a really weird thing for me for a team that's number six in the country, <laughs> despite losing at home for, uh, to South Carolina. Uh, but if it works, I think that's really the question about this is because uh, it feels like the booing clearly affected them uh, in Kentucky. Uh, to the point that, like, the joy that they had after the win and kind of the nobody believed in his stuff, which, again, you know, like, nobody believed in Akron this weekend, <laughs> and they lost. People believed in Georgia. They were favored in this game. Do you think that this kind of vibe that's developing of us against the world, no longer believes in us, uh, I find it um, intellectually dishonest, but I don't care, I guess, if it means the team is going to win a bunch of games because of it. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what Kirby Smart's doing. I mean, he, there is a narrative within the locker room that now it's us versus the world. Like, even the media don't believe in you. The fans don't believe. They booed y'all. You know, and uh, and I'm fine with that. I, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, because the reality is, is like, it went out and James Coley called a hell of a ball game. And Georgia executed really well. Um and and we're oh and we're going to get to my new, uh, new everybody's new favorite sweetheart uh, Brian Harry in a minute but <laughs> man they incorporated the running backs the passing game in a, a neat way they really cut down uh, some uh, Grantham's emotional blitzes uh, <laughs> they made sure certain Grantham continues to live on the more and frankly the most unsung part of the game was the defense who did everything but make Florida look silly every time they tried to run the ball and frankly on a vast majority of the passing plays. I mean, there were very few really easy passing yards to be gained. I think it was like one passing play over 24 yards or something like that, and that wasn't even a blown cover. It was just a heck of a play. So, yeah, take your victory lap, guys. And the thing you'll want to look at, and it's, it kind of stands out when you just scan the stat sheet, is the 35-minute time of possession that Georgia maintained, as well as converting the 12 of 18 third downs, while Florida was 2 of 9 on third downs. And I don't know, maybe... I mean, actually, it's not an assumption. It's a proven fact that Georgia plays well against Todd Grantham coach teams. It goes all the way back to when he was playing or when he was coaching for Louisville because everybody saw the stat that came out that the last time Georgia was 12 and 18 on third down was during the Belk Bowl versus Louisville when Todd Grantham was defensive coordinator. And if you look at last year, Georgia was 8 of 14 on third downs versus Florida. Um, yeah, so I think the most unheralded thing, it's really like this whole team is unheralded because you've got Cager, who's the star. You've got Swift, who's the star. You've got Fromm, and we all love Harrion, kind of like how you already mentioned, but he's almost not even thought of. In fact, my boys were watching the top 10 this morning on SportsCenter, and they were predicting that Harrion's catch would be on top 10. It wasn't. 
So that just kind of falls into the maybe nobody is respecting Georgia. I don't know, but I agree with both of y'all. Whatever it takes for 18 to 22-year-olds to get motivated to try to go out and win a national championship because, yes, they win the rest of their games. They will be national champions. People don't need to worry about this whole first four in with the college football playoff because Georgia does control its own destiny, and they should. They have the team that has the capabilities of doing it. It's just a matter of, um, I guess, dialing it in. Yeah, though I will say, and we can talk about this more in our preview show, uh, I do think there is a difference. Like, hit the media. Nobody cares about the media. We are literally here for you to, for, to whack us with things. Like, it's fine. Uh, I think that you're on somewhat shakier territory when you do the uh, blame it on the fans. And say the fans did not, uh, did not believe in Jake Fromm. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> and, uh, I certainly, I'm sure there are, uh, a couple of the, on the angrier, unreasonable side that have like, oh, Jake Fromm stinks and so on. But that's, I mean, those people are, are, uh, have the memory of a goldfish and or are deliberately, uh, uh, trying to muddy the waters. I don't actually think that when Georgia fans were booing, they were booing Jake Fromm. And, uh, I thought it was weird that Kirby said it that way because, uh, I, it's fine. Uh, if you want to handle the media and, and I think that like when the Titans coach, uh, kind of mocked the media in the press box, I think that's fine. Like whatever, go after the media. Again, that's what we're here for. I think you're on shakier ground when you start saying fans aren't respecting your team. Make the opponent not respect you. Make the make the media not respect you. I think when you do the fan thing, particularly with a fan base that frankly did turn on this team pretty quickly. <laughs> and, uh, and for, and you know, if you're wondering what the reason was, the reason was that they lost at home to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So at a certain level, I'm wary of doing the blame the fans thing. Cause again, I, I understand if it motivates them, that's good. I get it. Long term, it's that's that's like the uh, I don't know if anyone remembers. Um, uh, you ever play one of those video games where you're or you're in a car race and you've got like a turbo button, and but you only get to use it like three times, and you want to try to save it to the end of the race. I'm wary that button has been pushed too early. Uh, it feels like the easy thing to do. Uh, doing the no one respects us thing uh, only works so long, particularly in a game that yes, they did dominate possession and they did clearly look the better team. If they don't get that last third down, this is all back up in the air again. And uh, uh, like Florida hung in with them. And if they hadn't got that, which was a a terrific throw by Fromm, uh, uh, if they don't get that last third down to close it out, Florida's got a chance to come back and that uh, come back and put themselves right back in the situation that you had in South Carolina. The way you lose this game is the way that you lost South Carolina. You let them hang around a little bit and then you don't make that third down like they did against South Carolina or you turn the ball over and that's the position you put in. They did not beat Florida by 30 points. And uh, so I do feel like a lot of the, aha, see, we are who we thought we were. Think about how much Georgia has considered itself so far ahead of Florida. Now, all of a sudden, it's, yeah, us against the world when they beat Florida by seven. Yeah, I guess. I I don't know. I hear what you're saying on one hand. On the other, I do feel like this game was, I mean, I I never, I mean, I was nervous, but I never felt like Georgia wasn't going to win this game after, especially yeah. after the second drive. But I, I will grant, and the one thing I will grant is that that probably feeds back into your your thought of intellectual dishonesty. Is like you, know, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it. Hey, you know, you can't barely beat Florida and also be all the way back. Um, if also part of the theory is that we are that much better than the rest of the SEC. So one other thing I will grant is I think Florida 
Um, Florida has shown that they are a very good defensive football team. Their offense remains up in the air, um, which you probably would expect, uh, considering they're playing with a, uh, I guess, is, I can never remember Trask a freshman, or if, if he's not, he certainly wasn't the guy that was starting. Um, and again, that might be more about Mullen than it is about uh, Trask. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is like, we walked out of Jacksonville with a win. We have a three-game winning streak, and we have won the decade for the first time since I had hair. So <laughs> I'm going to take that and be pretty happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also caused a coach to have a rage stroke on the sideline. And it wasn't oh, Kirby Smart. It was Dan <laughs> Mullen that had the rage stroke, which was pretty impressive to see. Uh, you know, the other interesting fact that as I was doing some post-game reading is that since uh, Dan Mullen's been the coach of Florida, his two lowest offensive outputs are both against Georgia. 278 yards this year, 275 yards last year. Will, I, I do understand what you're saying and in regards to the fans um we had a couple tweets a couple listeners tweet our uh, podcast twitter kind of taking umbrage with kirby so it's definitely trickling down to uh social media where someone's wanting to you know share their frustrations uh, along with that so I, I think there is probably something to that i just i personally didn't really I guess, draw the line between what he was uh, saying to the media and also saying to the fans, which I guess I should pay a little bit more close attention because to me, as a fan, I would kind of take it like, I wasn't booing you. In fact, I wasn't even at the game, Coach Smart. <laughs> but <laughs> It was too cold and it, wet for me. It was too cold and wet. But still, <laughs> I would be like, it, it's, a, it's a weird, it's definitely a tightrope that he's walking. He's He is uh, committed to this I guess, persona for at least 2019. Uh, and it did turn at the end of that South Carolina game. So uh, we're back home this weekend. It's going to be a night game. It should be pretty hyped. But uh, but yeah, I guess uh, since you brought that up, I, I hadn't really thought of that. And then I started thinking about the tweets that we got. So I do think that uh, he's trying to to walk the, the tightrope of, of some kind of motivation. But, it, but again, if it works for the players, that's really – what matters if this team that we follow and 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 love to and have a show to talk about because we love them? It's going to be interesting these last four regular season games. Yeah, two two things real quick uh, before we go to our next thing. I would say uh, when it comes to rage strokes, uh, Mullins are less impressive than Kirby's. Like Kirby's are like full on like everything shaking when when Kirby has his rage strokes. But I also don't actually think that it's going to cause Kirby Smart to have a stroke. Uh, Mullen kind of looks like he's might have a stroke. <laughs> like Mullen just looks maybe a little li- less healthy than maybe Kirby Smart does, but that definitely there were a couple of times I'm like, Oh, he's not going to like fall over. Is he? And I never think Kirby Smart's going to fall over when he has a straight stroke. I just feel embarrassed to see that much emotion. And the last thing is warning to listeners. This will be the, not the last time you hear my analogy be about hitting turbo in a video game. Cause I do think, I think this is part of what he's doing. To be honest, this team has not been as dominant. I think as he thought they were going to be. And we can argue what the re- there's obviously they're good. They're seven and one. They're six in the country. There's ton of talent. They have a great quarterback. They have obviously talent everywhere. It doesn't feel like Alabama rolling over everybody. And so I think there's something. Maybe there's something missing in the stew. He's trying to figure out what it is, and he's just trying to keep them afloat while uh, until they figure out what that is. So he's hitting the turbo button. But again, uh, you know, the turbo button will not win you at Auburn. <laughs> and it will not win you in the SEC championship, championship game. But the good news is it looks like they're probably going to go to the SEC championship game now, which is good because I don't have to cancel my hotel room now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, mean, I kind of actually like that. I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, still trying to figure out what's exactly missing from the stew. I can't argue with that analogy. It, it does feel a little bit like we're not quite there. I mean, you know, the Death Star is built or whatever it is, got to get the flux capacitor going <laughs> in order to fire it. Those um, are two separate it, movies, Tony. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was an adult when those movies came out, okay? So don't at me. Um, but I was actually an adult. God, oh, Jesus, I'm old. The initial like washing over of how awesome this game was to me is tempered a little bit by the fact that we still have at least two really tough games and potentially a third uh, with Missouri. Um, and but you know the reality is is like and we'll get to this this week because I'm sure we'll talk about Cager a lot. But maybe there is something missing between that that Cager brings to the game, whether it's route running, whether it's Jake just trust implicitly trust him. Whatever. Although I'm, I'm convinced that I could have called the pass that, that yeah. he, he called yeah. the snap because my God, what a beautiful play and uh, route run! My God, which is gorgeous. Um, but anytime you get little Brian Harry and making uh, making Kirby Smart say holy shit on the sideline, it's like yeah, we're right there with you, Kirby, right there with you. So uh, man, it was it was fun. You beat Florida. It's been a good weekend. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so uh, sh- uh, what should we do? Or should we do, should we do our good, bad, and uh, something yes. else? Uh, uh, sponsored yes. by Five Points Bottle Shop, where you can buy alcohol, drink it, and then feel differently after you've drank it. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing about Five Points Bottles, they uh, they're sharing uh, like bourbon recipes and other kinds of uh, drink recipes for the holidays on their Instagram page, which is Five Points Bottle Shop. At five points bottle shop on Instagram. So. I, I really do. I, I have to say though, I really think that's uh, that's a freebie. Five points bottle shop. Just uh, here we have liquid. Drink it, and you'll feel different. I don't see what's wrong I with love that. that. That's a pretty much. I love it. Subs it up right there. So I'll go ahead and start with uh, my good. My good is a, it's an ACC team, and I am no fan of the ACC, but I am impressed with Wake Forest. They uh, unfortunately they lost a basketball game to Louisville on the same day that Georgia lost to South Carolina. But they beat the brakes off of NC State last night and now have road games at Virginia Tech and Clemson back-to-back weeks. But they only have one loss. And uh, so, yeah, that's my good. I'm, I'm impressed by them. In fact, they're penciled in for a bowl game versus an SEC team, I think, in, uh, I don't know, some bowl game. I, I didn't, oh, uh, New Year's Six Bowl versus uh, Florida or something like that from last I saw. Anyway, I'll move on from that. Uh, the bad, Arkansas. There was an announced crowd yesterday, 52,000. I saw the screenshot of the crowd during the game. It looked more like 20,000 were there, um, like an FCS-attended school. They lost 54-24 to to Mississippi State, and Chad Morris has not won an SEC game. And something else, segue from that, newsflash, Willie Taggart just got fired from Florida State. So uh, I'm sure Chad Morris would be next. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Don't wish it on him, but he is underperforming. The something else would be really the the headline from other news sources that are coming back about Georgia, Florida. They're calling it the cocktail party again, <laughs> which for a couple of years, that was kind of the banned phrase. But I saw it multiple occasions in quotes, either the cocktail party or the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So that's kind of cool to see. All right. My good, bad and something else. My good is 
I-L-L-I-N-I, Illinois, got its fifth win. They won 38-10. to 10. I don't understand living in a <laughs> universe where Illinois is winning their third game in a row against a quote-unquote Big Ten team, uh, 38-10. to 10. Uh, It was very, very, very strange. They wiped out Rutgers. One win to go at Michigan State this week, uh, week off at Iowa, and then most likely they'll have to beat Northwestern to get in the bowl. They are currently projected to be in the quick lane bowl Against Duke. Mm. So, you know, that's uh, everyone, everyone come with me for a road trip to Detroit the day after Christmas. Who wouldn't want to be a part <laughs> of that? Uh, the bad is Appalachian State. Appalachian State, uh, I always like watching who from the group of five is going to get there. App State looked like they might be able to actually bust through, and they lost. They lost on Friday. Uh, so uh, Thursday, Thursday or Friday, whatever it was. It's a long week last week, which brings me to something else. Oh, just pour one out for Deadspin while you're here. Just everyone have a get your glass up because you're you're obviously drinking right now because you went to Five Points Bottle Shop. And if you drink the thing they have in glasses there, it will make you feel different. So when you do that, <laughs> uh, pour one out for my old site Deadspin. It died on Friday and it died in a ball of wild explosion blaze of glory. If you got to go out, uh, that looks like a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Wow. So all right, my my good is. Uh, Hey guys, what was now with the Pac-12 has two one-loss mm-hmm. teams on path to meet in the uh, their their championship game wherever that's played. I don't think it's, and they're playing in San Jose. San, San, San Francisco, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before they get to go to Vegas. Um, you know, look, Oregon and Utah both have of all the one-loss teams. You could argue they have the the best. Oregon probably has the best one loss to a loss to an Auburn team. Um, and we'll probably have that debate further down the road about what the wins look like, but. Uh, so that's my good. The bad, I'm going to stick with Florida State. Man, you can't, you can't lose to Miami and look totally lost doing it. I am surprised they have fired Willie Taggart. Um, but, okay, you know, it's your money. You get to throw it at whatever problem you want to. Um, and then my something else is, come on, Mullen. Don't start. Don't, don't go out there and start bitching to about the referees. Don't be that guy. I mean, he is that guy, let's be clear. There's something else talking about. Georgia needs help after you get a clear push off that that separates your guy for a touchdown, um, and then other also defensive pass interference as well. So that's not something else. All right. Well, we are doing. We have a. We have a. I was going to say we have a live show because usually we just record ourselves. Like it's not all live. We're talking. We're physically <laughs> breathing beings who are moving around and having words and thoughts. Though we're a half hour late for, because of me. By the way, this is. I feel like I have to have this mea culpa. I apologize to my two co-hosts for being a half hour late today. Uh, it's been a crazy week, as you can probably suspect. Um, so I apologize, nevertheless. So don't be bad, guys. Uh, but our next show is a live show. We are alive. We are physically live. Where are we doing it, Scott? We're going to be at a uh, hotel Indigo. Uh, recording and we uh, we've got something uh, up our sleeves. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. We have something up our sleeves now. Now for, for the, the re- listeners, for, for the, the listeners. Re- for the record, uh, when we when I asked Scott before the show when we were doing uh, w- what the deal with Hotel Undergo was, he made it clear we were not in a room with a bed. So yeah, I said <laughs> I did say Will just to give you some context. Will was like, "Well, Scott, where are we doing?" I was like, "I don't know. We're going to be in a room." And then there was a long like. Three second pause that felt like fifteen seconds, and I said, no, "We're not going to be in a room with a bed. It's going to be in a room." Oh, that's a shit. I say, I think my contract requires a room in the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For what it's worth, like like the Hotel Indigo is a pretty classy joint, so I won't bring like the quarters 
to put into the side of the bed <laughs> to make it like move around. That that would be fun to, if we. I tell you what, if they, uh, I, I'm again, the hotel goes a nice hotel, so they don't have these things. But if they have like one room for like pranks or so on, where you put a quarter in and move the bed around, if we could get it in there, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. Thanks. I'll check on that. Um, I'll uh, check on that. Uh, so we're taping Monday. Otherwise, uh, uh, they won. I don't want to sound too negative on this podcast. They won, and it was awesome. And they beat Florida, and everyone looked very, very happy. So good for them. Good for us. And uh, you know, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. I'll be a little bit cryptic here, but make sure you're following us on social media if you don't already, especially Instagram. Why? Because later this week, probably on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, we'll have an announcement about what I'm being so cryptic about. More to come, obviously. So follow us on Twitter and especially Instagram. Same handle for both at WSLS Podcast. And send any questions or comments you have. We're recording on Monday evening, as Will had said, our Georgia versus Missouri preview show as we welcome in that SEC East team from west of St. Louis. The Tigers of Missouri pay a visit to what looks like we'll be shaping up as a chilly yet raucous Sanford Stadium on Saturday night. We'll see you on campus then, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay tuned for JTNW, and as always, go dogs. Welcome back to another JTNW with, of course, Jack and Walker. And today we are going to be doing the post-game show for the Georgia and Florida game. So to start us off, I just have to say Georgia played really well. Uh, that was probably the most important game of the year because they all lead them to the SEC championship. Yes, both teams were six and one going into it. Florida, or was, Florida seven was seven and one. We were six and one. So each with one loss, uh, probably the best game out of the three in the last three years because we were ranked eighth and Florida was ranked number six. So top ten matchup again. So that was really good. More explosive plays. And, yeah, that's kind of how to start it off. One player I want to point out is number 17, Eli Wolf. He had a game-clinching catch. And I think he's going to be a breakout star this year. Jake Fromm doesn't really throw it to him that much, but I think he should because of his performance in that game. Uh, we have a tough schedule ahead with Mizzou. I mean, they lost to Vandy, so that's not that's not too bad. And Wyoming. Um, and Wyoming, yes. And we the toughest game, I would say, is probably Auburn. That's a scary, scary game for us. Um, and it's at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yeah, so which is be... not the best environment to play in. Uh, then finish off the year with Georgia Tech. And so, yeah, um, Cager was back, so he was a big factor to the game. He's a big factor on the team, probably one of the best wide receivers on the team. Definitely, so it's nice to have him back. And one thing to point out also, um, I think we should use the air raid more, so to speak, because it really worked. And once we got – passing a lot more or run game started to develop more no i don't think the run game developed really well um i think swift had a couple breakout runs actually yeah the run game did develop sorry um at the i was thinking about the first part of the game that was really bad in the run game third time in a row georgia has beaten florida which is really nice to say because florida's always the little brother kind of really tough uh, to beat so that's nice to just have three three in a row and again, to go back to the defense, Georgia's defense held Florida to only 20 yards rushing. I would say that's a big statement because of Florida's running backs and wide receivers. Well, Michael and tight ends. P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. He's yep. an understated running back. 
Um, Brom was a little bit more comfortable in the pocket. Uh, he had his ups and downs, but most of the game he was really well. He did really well when passing to Cager. Uh, Harrion, again, he was in the wide receiver position a Runs couple times. hard and angry. Yep. So, I mean, that's kind of it for the summing that up. Jack, do you have anything else to add? At the end of the game, Richard LeCount and one other defensive player did a backflip. What's his name? Herring? Herring? Something? Last name Herring, number 10, defense. Well, yeah, I think they did backflips. So that's really cool. Uh, That's one way to celebrate winning against Florida for the third time in a row. So that's going to be it for us today and I hope you enjoyed JTNW's post game show on the Georgia Florida game. Thank you. Peace. No, that's really bad. Sorry. Thank you and go dog. Dog sick 'em. Hoo 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 hoo.